Collective Nightmares podcast. We are sociologists that talk horror films. My name is Marshall Smith. My interest in horror films comes from a fascination with transgressing boundaries and exploring the normal versus the abnormal, quote unquote, and typical versus the atypical and what we stigmatize and what we present as standard and good. And I'm Laura Patterson. Marshall and I both have our PhDs in sociology from the University of Colorado. And I like horror because when done well, which is certainly something that comes up in this conversation, how to assess when it is done well. Um, When done well, I think it can really allow us to play with very interesting moral questions and allow people to find a a good sense of community um, around how to deal with some very difficult topics. Every episode, we take one film and really dig into it. We strongly recommend watching the film that we're going to discuss recently because we jump right into detail and nuance and discussion of the film. And in this case, we watched the unrated, uncensored version of the 1980 film Cannibal Holocaust, infamous as one of Britain's video nasties and banned and yada, yada, yada. Um... I love that the genre on IMDb is adventure horror. <laughs> uh, so this is a film directed by Ruggiero Diodato. I hope I'm saying that sort of okay. Story and screenplay by Gianfranco Clarisi. The synopsis from IMDb is during a rescue mission into the Amazon rainforest, a professor stumbles across lost film shot by a missing documentary crew. You can listen to this episode by itself. It will probably be helpful if you have the time and inclination to listen to our episodes on the original 1978, I, 73, 78, the original 1970s, I Spit on Your Grave, our discussion of Human Centipede 2, full sequence, uh, possibly the follow-up, I Spit on Your Grave. But, oh, we didn't oh, we didn't post that one yet. So Well, it will be. That. It should be out by the time this comes out. So basically, Marshall's suggesting you sit down on like a Saturday and you just watch like Cannibal Holocaust, <laughs> Human Centipede 2, and then a couple I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> just for like, you know, and then listen to us talk about it. So probably you want to commit like maybe what, two, three, four whole days to um, just diving into that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Uh, you can just listen to this episode. Watch the film if you haven't seen it. Listen to this episode. There are spoilers for Cannibal Holocaust. I don't think there's really spoilers for the others. And honestly, barely for Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. And so with that, we're going to we're gonna dive into discussion. We're going to jump right in. <laughs> do you want to start or do you want to let me? I... Have, I don't have like a pressing desire to jump in. So if you do, you can. But otherwise, I'm happy to lead with my overarching first thank you for pushing this and 
in motivating to rewatch this, particularly just after or very soon after having watched Midsummer, because it addresses a lot of the same topics in very different ways. And so I think that will make for good contrast discussion. And then also, so this film is 1980. I looked. I think it's older than that. I guess it was older than that, but I guess it's not. It's funny. I, I just, so there's some of these things that are sort of uh, deja vu because I remember saying them before, but I have to like remember, okay, we're going to say them again. Of all the discussion and commentary I've ever seen about Cannibal Holocaust, it is all about it is all about the the actual animal cruelty that was depicted and and filmed for the for the movie, as well as the fact that the director bribed the some of the stars to stay off the grid for a year or however long it was and. It was banned as one of the rotten films in England. I can't remember what the what the word for those is. And they made them produce the actors to demonstrate it, that it wasn't real and on and on. It's a wonderfully made film. It does a couple of things which I don't hear it get credit for that I am not particularly familiar with having been done sooner. One of which is the is the circular narrative. Is that we're gonna start? We're gonna start the film at a point and circle back around to that point, and then we're gonna show it from multiple perspectives. Some of the footage, and then an, the other thing is the found footage. I mean, it is quite literally found footage, and I mean that is now a, a subgenre thanks ultimately to Blair Witch. But I don't remember this ever getting acknowledgement or credit when Blair Witch hit, and all of a sudden it was. Oh my God, you can do found footage in horror movies. It was just like this film had never happened, even though it happened 30 years before. And I don't know if other films had done it. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that was. And I also found it to be a really effective and impressive. It was, how about this? I have two other things. It was impressively meta. <laughs> I know postmodernism was making its way into popular discussion by 1980, but to have the but to have multiple levels of analysis and self-reference within the film within the film at that time, I think is really impressive. I think it was handled well and organized well, and I don't think that's easy to do. That seems very prescient for the film, and. It is also, it also seems to be a really impressive deconstruction of the Mondo grindhouse genre of film or movement of film that was so popular through what, 60s, 70s, maybe a little bit earlier. I think it's a little bit disappointing to me that of all the reference to Cannibal Holocaust, really what I see is the like the ad campaign and the real footage of animals and the the grotesquery of it without without any of the acknowledgement of of these very intellectual and complex or or nuanced presentation of interesting and and challenging ideas i i always imagined it as a real shock gore kind of movie and that's there but 
I would not classify it as that kind of a movie at all. I, I, I just think that's it's just very interesting to me, the divide that I, I've seen for that. And then we can talk about all those things uh, or in whatever else you want to talk about. But I wanted to start with saying that. This is going to be really interesting because I had a very different take on it, but sort of on the same topic of what you're talking about. So I felt very much like we're back in conversationally that we're back in the territory of the human centipede or at least the human centipede two, where we talked about, can you have a film that's essentially just a whole bunch of gross exploitation and then couch it either actually couch it or imaginarily couch it in some sort of moral landscape. And I say that because in, in the human centipede two, I think we really landed somewhat unclear on whether there was an intention or not to morally criticize the existence of the film itself. So in this case, there's no question that the argument was in the film that this is problematic, potentially. That, that what these that what these filmmakers were doing, I mean the filmmakers in the film, right? That what they were doing was was problematic and exploitative. But the film really I guess I'll, I'll say the same thing that you were saying in a slightly different way. That you know, you said you think back to Cannibal Holocaust and it's it's exploitation, it's whatever. It's not all of these intellectual arguments. And I would agree that the the take like the takeaway point that people have gotten from Cannibal Holocaust is that it's a whole bunch of exploitation. And so essentially what it's doing is it is just it's getting away with, I guess, being exploitative while sort of putting in a little argument of, hey, this isn't okay. And and that actually reminded me more so of to talk about like the grindhouse sort of genre of movies, ways that films got around different forms of censorship. For example, like, you know, if you couldn't have pornographic films, but you could have a film that talked about, I don't remember all the rules exactly right now, but like if it was a medical film or if it was, if it was intended to be instructional in some way that you could somehow skirt some of those things or, so it's like, we're going to, we're going to pretend we're making some really what I felt to be fairly superficial argument about whether this is okay or not. And in doing so, we're going to get away with essentially being able to produce an entire film of exploitation. And as evidence of that, I would say that the audience took it and has taken it over the years as shock value. Like it is a Mondo film. I think that's what it's seen as, even though, yes, there is, you're right. A critique of that type of film in there. I feel like that critique is not strong enough, or at least that was my takeaway this time, not strong enough to justify its existence. And that it it really just was, it was like a cheap ploy to be able to get away with making an exploitative Mondo film while still being like, hey, I pointed out that these are like really bad. <laughs> Watch me torture a turtle and then rape a bunch of people. <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> and that fits so well with like the closing of the film because the little note at the end of like, you know, the filmmaker, or whatever, was fined a slap on the wrist and whatever, but he also made, you know, $300,000 off the production of the film. I will say I appreciated the meta-ness of that note probably the most out of the entire film because <laughs> that was exactly what, I mean, I, I would say like morally speaking or something, that's exactly what this film did. It, I feel like it tried to sort of point out that there was like, oh, look, there's a critique or this isn't right or whatever, but hey, I'm going to benefit by the fact that I just did all this stuff that was totally wrong. So that is the question, which is what dovetails so nicely with Midsummer, is, which brought, up back, brought us back to the Human Centipede 2 question, which is, 
Well, can well, I just will you, you ref, like refresh me on what we even talked about in Midsummer that you're remembering? Because I haven't listened to it as recently as you have, but I suppose the audience probably hasn't either, so that might be helpful. It is just what you said, which is how can you address and discuss and represent a exploitative or probably any problematic topic without perpetuating you said it so well in the midsummer episode and i'll probably just cut that in here can you critique an exploitative experience if you're critiquing it by also taking people through that same exploitative experience and a large portion of their experience in in going through your artwork isn't just being critical it's actually coming along for the ride it's like hey let's go be exploitative and then talk about at the end or something a little bit like being exploitative might not be okay cool but we just spent an hour and a half on that roller coaster i i don't remember but it's how do you represent a a particularly difficult topic without um without exploiting it without benefiting from it uh, unjustifiably so what can you and that's where we've been and i think that's that it's where we've gone with a number of films i think it's really at least for me how about that i should say at least for me it is the core question as to anything with rape and rape revenge films this is where we've been right of how do you okay how do you address the these the how do you address the phenomenon of sexual assault and represent it in a way that's not going to in a way to do it responsibly and there's a host of issues right are you doing it in a way that's that's going to titillate someone who that's not okay or is that okay or or how could that be okay um are you who's doing it so you know is it men benefiting off the representation or is it just generally people who are sexist or patriarchal benefiting from further exploitation are you inspiring people who would not have otherwise had that those ideas what you so what you said is the same thing and so what i what i hear you saying is this film tried to elide or sidestep those precise quandaries by laying over the meta level discussion that we saw in the film because because doing so they present as giving them a pass for still going he- ahead and representing these atrocities in these ways yes and i so what I was what I'm trying to formulate a thought here that I feel like it's not fully coming together yet. But what I would say horror is useful for, I guess, is taking you through the the bad experience. If you're trying to lay out some moral like good versus evil argument, that letting horror be horrific and take you through that experience and have that emotional experience and be really bothered, I guess, by what's happening is helpful because it helps make you know, whoever, whoever, whatever you're sort of demonizing in the argument, then you really get to feel sort of the badness of that entity, right? And so in that case, I would argue that 
that watching a horror film is is helpful. I guess being repulsed, feeling bad is really helpful because it, it sort of shows you, hey, this is what's really happening and here's what might be the cause. And so in a way, a film like this being, you know, showing all of that isn't necessarily the problem, right? Like depicting sexual assault or depicting torture even. And I mean, we can talk about the animal situation separately because in general, when we talk about films, we're not talking about depiction of actual torture, but that that can be done, I guess, meaningfully in a way to sort of demonize something that deserves to be demonized. And so in this film, you know, in a sense, you could say, well, they're, they make the clear argument. They're not they're not sidestepping the fact that, that they think that what the filmmakers in this film did was wrong. So showing everything that they did was, that was wrong, maybe that could be useful or that could be meaningful. I think the, the reason I'm, I'm drawing some sort of line here and saying that this feels like exploitation as opposed to what I just laid out, which in a way feels very similar to what's going on here, is that I think that the emotional takeaway from this film isn't really, wow, these people did a terrible thing. At least I didn't feel like it was. I mean, maybe it is, or maybe it should have been. Maybe it was intended to be. Maybe I should give them more credit around that. But to me, it doesn't feel like it's, wow, they did a terrible thing. It's, look at that terrible thing. Without, with like a real detachment from the moral argument, even though, I mean, it was there. And I guess I would, I would support that by saying that I think if you think about Cannibal Holocaust and what that represents in society, like if somebody makes a reference to Cannibal Holocaust, they're not referencing the fact that you really shouldn't go in and exploit people. And so like that's that argument, I think even like you said, you were sort of surprised to remember how, how strongly they made that. Like that argument isn't what the film's experience was, even though it was there. The experience was exploitation. And so maybe if you were going to make, if you were going to do basically this I mean, it's almost a cool idea the more I think through it. Like, if you're going to do an exploitation film and then make the argument be that exploitation is wrong, I don't know. You, you just, you need to really make sure that the takeaway feeling that the audience gets is horror at what you're demonizing. And I just don't feel like it was effective enough, I guess, in that way to, to justify it. Or at least that's where I'm sitting right now. I, I do want to clarify that I had the same experience watching it the first time that I did this time. So it's not that I didn't remember it as that. It's that prior to having watched it the first time, what I had heard was that I'd heard the gore exploitation part. That's a fine point, but I actually think that's, for me, it's worth saying. (laughs) Do you think your standards for what the film should accomplish in terms of takeaway message and, and highlighting the problems with what's what's being shown are different because of the circumstances of production. And for those who don't know, the this was filmed somewhere in South America, Latin America, with people who were citizens there. I don't think they were necessarily, I don't think they were like in some indigenous tribe. I, I mean, I think they were native people, but people who were actors or whoever townsfolk who were willing to do whatever but there were I, I can't remember exactly but I know the turtle was real and was killed and I think the snake and maybe the spider maybe the monkey yes you do think your standards are different I think so because I guess because there's what uh, Mondo film is trying to for lack of a better way to say it like get away with and one might argue that that's morally wrong. 
And then there's, I guess, yes, because this film, I think, is, is getting away with the same things, right? It's, it's using, we know that'll generate hype if we use actual people living in this country. And, you know, if we torture some animals, like that's going to that's gonna generate some, it's, it's going to get the Mondo effect. And so then if, if you want to basically make a Mondo film and then have a critique of it sort of thrown in there, I mean, unless you, because right, unless you can really justify, God, and I don't know that you could, that being somehow needed for the, I don't think you can. I don't think for the storyline you could ever really justify that it had to be a real turtle or that you needed to use people that were local to wherever to make your argument. I think what you get out of that is Mondo hype. So you you get the the draw that Mondo would have. I don't think Diodato, who is the director, who knows if I'm saying that right, I don't think he publicized any of that. I think that came out, I think what he publicized was that the actors were gone. And then when Bitten, Britain banned it, and they had, it's the video nasties. It was one of the video nasties. And then when Britain banned it and started uh, combing through whether or not it was real, I think that's when the, that's my understanding of it. So I don't know if that changes anything for you or not, but I don't think it was, hey, we butchered real animals on screen. I think it was, this really happened and these actors are gone. And we talked about this before. I have no idea. Maybe we should do some digging to see, but my bet would be that <laughs> my bet. I think we did look at this up, right? That the pig was actually a pig that was going to be killed anyway, and they like fed it to whomever. I was having memories of that while we were watching the film because we talked about this before, and I was wondering the exact same thing. That I remember that we had, I thought, come up, come to this idea that they ate them, and and then I thought, well, they did eat them on film, sort of for a second, but that's different that they were actually consumed. Which does seem to matter. I mean, I feel like that's got, that's a whole separate topic that maybe we want to move to right, kind of right, next as its own. Right. I don't know if I want to present what I think would be a defensive film or if I want to ask you something more about what your position. I either want to defend or present my argument about the film or I want to ask you, do you think a film could be made? I'm sort of struggling in this territory also, so I don't, I can't come at you with like a real clear sense of exactly where I stand. Could you make a film that would make the same points in a way that was not problematic in the ways of laying out that wouldn't benefit by being a Mondo film, basically? It certainly, I feel like, would help not to have used local people and also have killed the animals. I, what you, what you seem to be possibly saying is that maybe that wasn't. Maybe that was done just for ease of producing the film. It actually wasn't related to any sort of hope that that would get out there or be hyped or maybe they didn't have a special effects budget. And so... Sure, fucking turtle. To, I don't know, to me, it seems a lot easier to... Well, you're going to kill a pig anyway. Let's kill a pig instead of, like, let's make a fake pig. And But here we are almost 40 years later and you could never kill the pig. Even if you were going to feed it to the whole, I don't know, starving people, it would still be considered unethical. So I apparently have lost that argument. <laughs> well, yeah, kill the pig. I, I want to like table that part for a second, only because I feel like that's this whole second conversation that we need to have. But let okay, let's go just with 
the depiction of rape. And I am saying that only to limit it to one thing because we've got sort of so much going on here, but that was one of the most overtly problematic and repeated things that showed up throughout the film. So if we look at just that and we try to look at some of the criteria we've laid out before for like when that's acceptable or not, did this film, you know, what side did it fall on? Did it make a compelling enough argument against that or did it, did it say get away with something like as in did it use that to like entice the audience to come watch like hey this film is full of rape you should see it and then people go see it because that feels problematic and I'm leaning like my gut I guess is leaning toward that on a variety of different dimensions not just on the rape but I'm using that as one example because it's a concrete thing we can talk about and something we've talked about before sure so so what is it about the the sexual assault scenes that were not effective for you. I get okay. So, like in a very simplistic way, say you wanted to make a film where you show people being raped, and you start off by saying like, "Don't do this," and then you make your film. Then, I think what yeah, sure you're trying to cover yourself and say like, "Hey, this is wrong," but really, what you're trying to do is show something problematic. And so in this case, I don't feel like, yes, they did technically make the argument that this wasn't okay. You know, I mean, you see the faces of the the researchers or whatever at the end who are or the film producer, whoever that is, that are watching this thinking about like, should this be put on the air or not? And, and they do eventually say burn it and they look horrified. So we get the sense that their opinion turned as in rape isn't okay. They made that, they did make that point, but does that, did they need to show as much as they showed in order to make that point? Did they show it in a way that was effective in making that point? You know, or did they show it because it sounded like fun to show a lot of it? And then at the end sort of throw in like, hey, you know, rape's not okay. I lean toward the second, I lean toward that, that they didn't really do it terribly effectively. Say more. How so? I would say in the scenes, you were emotionally meant to be looking at the absurdness of it. You know, it's like, it was like this thing you don't normally get to see. I feel like is how it was presented more so like, Oh, look, this is a, this must be a ceremony about adultery and let's watch. And we even, we are sitting there in the point of view of the filmmakers, like, and the one guy goes to get up and do something and it's like, no, 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 let's just watch. Let's just, let's just see what this is. This is like a, the real world happening here. We're getting to see someone be, we're just going to watch. And it felt that way throughout, I would say. There was there was sort of an excessive use of sexual violence. And although it was sort of technically reprimanded, I guess, it was never, you were never, it was never like the original I spit on your grave where you were really in the position of the woman and feeling terrible for her. I think you were in the position of spectator feeling like, ooh, where's my popcorn? More. And that doesn't, feel justified or effective or useful that that feels exploitative so you had three depictions of sexual violence with the initial where the professor has gone in with the guide and the translator or whoever and it was the cleansing ceremony where he rapes her and kills her he rapes her with a stone of some kind and then beats her to death. 
And the professor goes to intervene and he says, if you intervened, they would kill him because it's his duty to have done this to her, to maintain the, whatever, stability of the social system or whatever it is. And then the second is they finally find the documentary crew finally finds someone, a, a young woman from the tree people tribe and immediately set to assaulting her for no clear reason. Uh, and then the third is Faye or Tina in the, of the documentary crew is then raped herself and beaten to death by the tribe that they, the Yamamano, right? Who that they killed however many dozen of them by burning them alive. For me, that trajectory, and I'm just going to talk this out. We'll see if I end up at the same conclusion as I, as I think I might have. So for me, the, the conclusion there is, okay, here is something that we would see as horrible, horrible and brutal and unacceptable. But as the anthropologist representative of the outside Western white culture, civilized quote unquote culture, he wants to intervene, but is prevented from doing so because it's disruptive. However, abhorrent it may seem to us, it's, it would be even more disruptive to their social system. And some of it is also survival. Presumably, if he had intervened, then they would be targeted as well. I think they say something to that effect, do they? I, I, actually, I don't know if they do. I thought... I thought he, he just says, oh, the tribe would then come kill him. Right? I thought, and it wasn't... I, I didn't even necessarily take it as, like, if you intervene, they'll kill him. But I thought, he's not doing something terribly wrong. He has to. Because the tribe would kill him if he didn't. It's like, like don't go try and stop it, because he, he's not really in the wrong. I mean... Well, if he, if if he doesn't do it, he's going to die anyway. Yeah. Or he's going to be killed. So he doesn't, there's no choice. Well, there's a choice, but that's the choice. There is a, uh, we may not understand, but there's a motivation, there is a cause. Um, and so when the documentary students go in and, and assault the tree person, tree woman, tree people woman, they are not doing it for any cause. They're just doing it for whatever, fun and they de they dehumanize these people and they don't care anyway. They're they're just props for the film and I guess they figured they were gonna mount her on a pole anyway, so they may as well rape her first because she's gonna be killed anyway. So she's ultimately disposable. And so I'm just talking big picture. I'm not talking about micro. I'm not talking about the nuances of how each of these is actually represented. And then the third one is the tribe enacting vengeance so in both cases the so-called primitive folks have some sort of real social motivation and cause for doing this and the civilized quote-unquote white folks have no they're just doing it for fun and maybe for a maybe for a sensationalized scene out of it for their film to make themselves famous that to me seems like it seems like a condemnation of the so-called civilized folks although at the same time it would particularly that first particularly the first 
instance we see that is i would say if it were just the other two that would be different the first one is like well they are brutal and i don't know if you want to say primitive but there's a real problem because they still have some sort of social ritual that involves raping and and killing some young girl for adultery or or some woman for adultery and so it it is it is necessary for their culture and so maybe we are seeing them as as the brutes though if you if you if you actually work out the timeline that would have actually happened after so what i'm trying to work out is there is a timeline where what has happened is the the indigenous people there learned sexual assault from the white folks, the civilized folks. Because the professor is there looking for their footage, so he would have come after. I don't know if they would say that they learned it. I mean, I see what you're saying with that. That scene comes later. Chronologically, in the events of the, or in the diegesis, the narrative of the film, it's it's later. But regardless, okay. So regardless, I'll just stand. I'll just stand with the the more conservative argument of we're presenting though as there there's some piece of this society which involves a rape and a raping and killing a woman, and it's because of adultery, which may seem very backwards and and primitive to us, and we may want to intervene, but then the question is, do we? And uh, but the rape that was justified for the representatives of white Western culture are, well, she's going to kill her anyway. So we, that we can make a movie and get famous. I, I can't help, but just say how much we are back in human centipede too. And we never resolve the conversation there, which makes me think yeah. that we should more so reference our circle than, than go down that rabbit hole again because we are absolutely looking at the exact same situation we've got can you can you benefit from depicting something in the course of your film if you ultimately then make the argument that it's problematic now granted i'll even give the caveat that we don't know if human centipede 2 was intending to say it was problematic or if we like wrote that in ourselves and this we do know and this we do know so that that is something but still can you can you benefit from it and problematize it at the same time and the question that I keep trying to get to in my head is how, why do we not have this conversation every time we see a horror film? Because we don't. So why is it that some forms of violence or some depictions of violence don't trigger this reaction in us? We're not like, oh, you can't show that. Why are you showing that? And other things really do. What, what makes this different? What makes it feel exploitative? Is it that... I mean, for me, sexual fun? assault is a category of violence all its own well i'm sorry i interrupted you which is, is it that it's that it could be considered fun i guess because like in human centipede too it wasn't i mean there was sexual assault in there but that wasn't the bulk of that, that wasn't the only thing we objected to certainly in the film it was the way violence was depicted throughout the film i mean it's a, it was just essentially a depiction of torture so if you depict violence for a, a, a strong what moral something point to make an argument it's okay and if you depict it if like the the depiction somehow outweighs the argument as in basically you're just depicting a whole bunch of violence and then yeah there's maybe an argument but it's like little argument big amount of violence versus like 
lots of violence, but to make a point where that violence was really kind of necessary and integral and used well in making the point like that makes it okay. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I'll throw it out there. I don't know if it's true or not. It would seem that the more seriously the film presents itself or the more uh, realistically the film presents itself. Like if the film takes itself seriously and is in both those cases, it's a meta film. So it's announcing that it's comments commenting on itself from the very beginning in each film. And so that, if nothing else, that aligns us to be looking, okay, the film is presenting itself as critiquing itself. How well does it do it? So we're, we're letting the film itself guide our discussion. Whereas a lot of films that we talk about, there is no pretense of realism. It's not purporting to do that. And so if we do, if we do that, I guess if we do that for other films, it's like a genre wide. It's just like, I would say we devolve to discussions of, I don't know, is violence bad to show or whatever, (laughs) but there's maybe some utility in that because I want to make the argument that, and I have an intuitive sense that you have to be able to depict what you're critiquing in order to to effectively critique it. I feel like that conclusion stems from some assumption that showing violence is not necessarily bad, which seems to me a really dogmatic and simplified argument. But if you're going to say that ultimately there is no way to depict these things without critiquing them, it seems like, well, you may as well not watch any controversial films then. And I, that may, that's, that may be a red herring or whatever the argumentative. I see what, I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. And let me throw out something else that may or may not, like, this might be tangentially related or maybe not. But I, am I saying that you can't have gratuitous violence? That basically violence has to serve a purpose. And if you have violence out there, if it doesn't effectively serve a purpose, then like you shouldn't do that. Like there's something morally wrong about that. It kind of feels like maybe that's what I'm saying. And I, I was inclined to maybe stand behind that and say, yeah, that seems possibly okay. Like if you're just throwing out gratuitous violence, you might be whatever, stoking up creepy weird things in people or I don't know, whatever it is, I think. Glorifying it, making it look yeah. good, something and you have to you have to put it out there as a as a tool to make a positive moral argument. Maybe that's what I'm saying. But then immediately I, I contradicted myself and I thought, what about like the Rob Zombie films or slasher films, right? What about these films where violence is funny? And I don't watch, I don't watch like a, a slasher film, even if they're bad. And I'm thinking of like, um, what are the ones where they like, I don't know, I can't remember this one. They, they're going to die within a certain amount of time. And it's like the whole group of like high school kids. And they like, I don't remember what they did. They watched the video, they did the something, and now it's going to get them all like, and you're just watching them get knocked off one by one. Final Destination? Yes, Final Destination. Yeah. And you know, you're just watching them get killed in brutal ways and whatever. And like, by the end of it, I don't, I guess that's it. So I don't, I don't feel offended by the fact that I watched all that. I mean, I don't particularly like enjoy those movies, but whatever, it's fine. I've laughed, I'm sure, at the horror scenes. But maybe that's it, because it's not depicting... That violence doesn't really stem from, like, real-world violence that is actually a problem. So, like, I guess, like, glorifying somebody getting cut in half by a garage door or whatever goofy thing it is that you're doing doesn't seem as, like, morally sticky, because that's not really so much a thing that happens. Whereas like glorifying something like rape or glorifying, you know, glorifying violence that 
really does have glorifying, you know, the exploitation of whatever native people in an area like that. I mean, now you're getting into really touchy moral. You're getting into Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, exactly. Like stuff. That, yes, I was like, I was right there. Like, I didn't want to say it because I don't want to trigger that conversation. But like, you're getting into like this real world. Exactly. Maybe this is exactly the Gwen Tarantino argument. Like, this is real stuff. And you don't get to play with this. And you certainly don't. Oh, my God. I'm making your Gwen Tarantino argument. I win either way, Laura. <laughs> Even if you win this argument. <laughs> I, I then win the Gwen Tarantino so argument. so funny. <laughs> and at least here I'll give you the... the point that Quentin Tarantino is not trying to problematize things and technically this film maybe was but whatever (laughs) okay me okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try this as my standpoint here because I feel like we're just trying to figure out what we think that it's okay to depict violence if that violence doesn't trigger some sort of real societal issue then whatever you can do your stupid slasher film and have people die in crazy ways and although I might get bored I will not be like horribly morally offended but if you're if you're depicting violence in a way that really is reminiscent or even more so just really is depicting types of violence that occur and are currently occurring in society and that need to be stopped and need to have more attention brought to them. If you do that in a way that doesn't really strongly make that moral argument so that the point of the film is the moral argument, then you're you're just sort of re-exploiting people in a way that's already happening in society and that feels really morally creepy and bad and I, I guess in that case, I would say that you shouldn't depict it. So like, and maybe the argument you just made might be kind of true because you were saying, well, you can't, you can't critique it if you can't depict it. Maybe I guess it's that you're only allowed to depict it if you critique it really well. And maybe that's just a high bar. And so if, if I, if the take home from Cannibal Holocaust was, wow, this type of, you know, behavior by these filmmakers is really exploitative and calling people like native and assuming they have these, inferior ways or something like that's really the problem if it really hit that home well then maybe that would be like okay it justifies its existence but i don't think it did and like i said as as evidence of my viewpoint i'm gonna say that nobody that's not how anybody ever talks about cannibal holocaust that's not what you hear about if you hear about the film you hear about it being graphic you hear about the animal cruelty you don't hear anything about it making this like meta argument. Oh God, I can't! You're killing me, Laura. <laughs> you're killing me for two reasons. One, <laughs> you literally started this entire conversation with quality does not connect to popularity, which I feel like is precisely another version of the argument that just because the audience takes away a particular message from a film doesn't equate to the quality of whether that message was was ingrained into the film. And two, you're killing me because this, in my mind, did everything that you wanted Midsummer to do, but it actually did it. And it did it in, in ways that, <laughs> that were really effective <laughs> and overt and obvious. And and you loved Midsummer, and you had all these ideas, <laughs> <laughs> except that none of that it was actually in there. And in this, it was in there, and it was it was it was literally peppered throughout the film, <laughs> and like punctuated in the structure <laughs> and the presentation of the film. And so I don't I don't know what that means, but it is. I, I also want to say that. 
we're back to which I think is which was something I think I, I reheard recently that you didn't have the benefit of in our other discussion, which is with all of these, I think all of these or the asymptote of where we're headed with particularly rape revenge films or films with sexual assault. But apparently, like you said, the more real, the more the issue that we're addressing is actually pervasive and relevant in non-movie world in in real life ups the stakes for how well the depiction or how well the film addresses the issue itself and so that's where we're headed and it seems like the question for us is how does it do that so what are the particulars of the film for how it addresses whatever this topic is and those particulars get more and more important as the violence or as the the social problem gets more and more real. And we're 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 figuring out, I think, a um, a rubric for evaluating how. And it would seem that we have this scale of how much is shown versus of what it of how much is how much analysis is there or how much commentary is there and so for me that crucial word in your point was gratuitous and really what i think we're trying to argue or what we're also honing in on is you want to minimize gratuitousness as much as possible because i mean that's literally the sense of the word right is gratuity is it gratuitous is it beyond what you need to have shown anyway to make your point I think all of that is actually really useful and helpful and, and really good that we're we're moving forward. So you, so we have that's a, a balance there of of what's shown versus what the commentary is, and then we need a chalkboard because you're exactly right. Like you're exactly right that we're stumbling on a rubric here. Yeah, and and and, and so and then I think maybe another thing would be well that you've presented is how is evil assigned and how is good assigned and then i would say something else would be where is our empathy how is our empathy directed uh within the film and then within the scene in in particular and we probably should note these maybe i should go get my ipad or something but those i mean those three just of themselves seem like a really good starting not start but you know a beginning of a schematic by which we can start to sort out and it seems like each one of the you know if you picture a scale that's one of those balancing scales like justice or whatever it seems like the more uh real or the more pervasive the violence or the topic is like the heavier each weight is and so like you said if it's zombie attack like the weights are like pennies or whatever because we don't actually have zombies right (laughs) And unless there's the zombies are raping someone or, you know, some other combination of things makes it different. But with something like you said, like a genocide or a, or sexual violence or you know, whatever else, the, the weights are bigger. So when you set each one on there, you need to have a appropriately heavy offset. And and I would so I would argue that for me. Uh, regardless of how uh, how people remember it um, or or discuss it, 
I can't speak to them, but for me in both times watching this, I felt great empathy for um, the victims. I did not feel like the, the sexual assault, I did not feel like there was gratuitous display. There was, I think, some gratuitous nudity in other areas, particularly with Faye. Early on, they're coming out of the. She comes out of the bathroom and she's like, "Oh, what you're you're filming?" And then she's in the she's like going to the bathroom in the woods. And I could debate whether or not those were arguments towards something else. Most likely, how despicable these people are. The the Jack and Alan, I think, are the two main folks who really seem to be driving this forward. And so what did we say? Uh, um, gratuitous, minimized gratuity, uh, the way empathy is directed. Um, for me, the film was really, it was really effective in making me feel empathy and, and, and re reevaluating or evaluating the, the so-called civilized folks as really the, the evil folks and then how real the topic is. I would say the topic is very real. I mean, we're sociologists. I mean, there was a, half, what, a hundred years of were these educated white folks or or anthropology, a, a, um, anthropologists, sociologists, or whoever, were these educated white, moral, civilized folks and we're going to go into either some strange land or some quote-unquote strange subculture of people Usually, often uh, people of color or native folks, uh, or otherwise marginalized groups, and we're gonna evaluate them, and we're gonna talk about how sick and twisted and bizarre they are, and spectate and come home and write up our books and become experts on on this, and uh, and then that was extended to the Mondo films, and this is this to me, which were the Mondo films were. I think all Italian. Almost all of them were Italian. It's all Mondo Cane. They're all Italian original titles, or at least the ones I can think of. And so for an Italian group to go in and be like, you don't know. You could have been watching this shit for 20 years, and it could have been the shitty white filmmakers who went in and butchered a, burned it live a bunch of people to get famous and make a movie. And um, for so for me, it was a very effective film. And... I appreciate you let me rail that all out because that was that was hard for me to sort through. I think that was helpful to hear, actually. And and somehow thinking about this as a rubric, probably particularly in the context of grading final exams right now, is somehow <laughs> actually really helpful. It's like solidifying oh. some of this. So I, I will and I'm willing to concede a few things. Like if we were joint grading this film, <laughs> I think I am willing to like knock up my grade a little bit here based on some of the arguments that you made. So I'll 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 so we said, first of all, that we have to look at how real the violence is, because that changes the weights that we give to any sort of point on these scales that we're looking at. And yes, they're depicting some very problematic, very real world things that have happened and continue to happen. And so they are very weighty topics and these questions become very important. We're looking at the gratuitousness of the violence or, you know, was the violence sort of necessary to be, was it necessary to depict as much as was depicted to make the argument that they were trying to make? I'm going to say... Still, I lean on the side of it being gratuitous. However, you are right that the argument was being made. I mean, it's in that way better than Human Centipede 2, where we can clearly say the argument was being made. And so- Or Midsummer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm sorry to jab. I, I, 
I, I was just editing that even this morning, so that's present in my mind. I, I will give you that. That like it was clearly it was clearly there. That argument was there. Rather than having an anthropologist as a character who just bickers about which topic it was to them and doesn't actually provide any anthropological commentary throughout the entire film. I'm sorry. All right, all right, I swear I'm done. I swear I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to take the bait. I'm just going to keep no, moving no, along. No, no, you're you as are. You didn't just say any of that. Rise above, Laura. <laughs> take the take the uh, iron. So yes, the the argument was there. I think my assessment of the the violence is that it was it was more gratuitous. Like if more gratuitous than necessary is that redundant? It was it was gratuitous, I guess, but it wasn't like entirely unjustified. And you know, it, it was. You needed some of it to make the argument they were making. Like you said, if you, you would have to depict some of this to do that. So I don't know that it was done super great, but it was not entirely ineffective or unnecessary. We talked about the empathy, like where the empathy is seated in the film. And I would say, yes, you were not, you were solidly, I don't know how to say that. I feel like a lot of low Bs, high Cs kind of floating around here. Like, yes, you you were never on the side of the perpetrator. You were never like rallying for them the way that, you know, I, I keep wanting to draw back to some of the Rob Zombie films or like last house on the left or something where you're like sometimes put in the position of kind of going along for the ride with the person who's perpetrating violence. You weren't really sometimes I think it got a little hazy, particularly like during that first depiction of assault. I think you're gawking a little bit and I don't know that gawking is entirely the appropriate place to be seated, but, but in general, I would say the take home from the film was that your empathy was solidly situated where it was supposed to be. Not only that, like, the film told you that it should be, but also I think as an audience person, you you pretty much felt it. Like, that was okay. I would say that it wasn't... It could have been much more effective. Like, when we think about, again, the the first I spit on your grave, you are in that with her. And that, I think, is very effective and very useful. And this film did certainly didn't rise to that level on any of the depictions of violence that they showed. I think I was not, you know, like what you were saying about in the, the remake of I Spit on Your Grave being bored and that being like a terrible thing. It wasn't that. I mean, I wasn't completely detached, but I wasn't in it the way I was at the first I Spit on Your Grave. And so I think, again, on, on that scale, eh, you know, they, they didn't do it terribly I don't know, inappropriate or immoral or whatever job, but they didn't like nail it either. And I think, is that all of our, oh, and, and laying out who the actual villain is in your argument. And you know, they did that, right? They, they told you who it was. I think on, on like a higher level too, like what I would just walk away from the film thinking is if I felt it to be effective, that's going to impact my overall sure. judgment here. And I will say that even though those points are there, and I will concede that, actually, that it probably, because of all those points not being grossly terrible, and it's not really immoral in the way that some other things that we've seen have been, um, I didn't walk away feeling impacted. Like, this is an argument that could impact me emotionally and could make me really feel for the characters. And though the argument was technically there, I think I walked away more with the experience of, like, my experience was more of watching a Mondo film in the sense that some of these things were crazy or weird or whatever, but I didn't walk away feeling very morally impacted or, or emotionally impacted or like, I'm going to think back on this. And so, you know, I guess what I'm saying about the audience, like, I feel like, oh, I'm going to justify this by the audience that being their takeaway. And you're right. That doesn't, the fact that like enlarged people leave maybe feeling that way, doesn't necessarily mean they didn't do it or they 
didn't do it effectively, but, but I'll say personally that I, I, I too didn't walk away feeling impacted. And if I had, if I had walked away feeling like, wow, that really stoked up these like moral empathetic feelings in me for exactly the issue they were addressing, I think regardless of what other people thought about it, I would think, wow, that, you know, that's a good film. And, and it didn't. So like, for all those reasons, I think I'm leaning in like C plus territory, which is all right. You know, it, as like a student project, like it, it had some merits, um, but there were a lot of things that to me felt lacking. And, and especially given the gravity of what they're dealing with, if they were dealing with something less weighty, you know, maybe those bars would be a little less high. But given what they were, yeah, but that's, you know, that's different than where I walked in. So I guess all I want to say is I think you, I think you shifted me up to like, yeah, from <laughs> where I was sitting at the beginning of this. Well, I'm going to make two more arguments for another point or two for the film. <laughs> One is that this is 1980. And I think the structure of the film was presented in a way that was meant to reach folks who would come in with the ethnocentric mindset. As a reminder for those who maybe haven't listened, the ethnocentric is is to center your own people by the roots of the word, but to believe that your culture is best and other folks should be evaluated by your standards. And it's contrasted with cultural relativism where you look at different cultures based on whether or not it works for them within their system or within their own belief system. And so they have this observer go in and we're trying to figure out what happened to a good white educated middle-class film explorer team. And I think in 1980, that was probably, and I think that was maybe more radical than it is now to say like, we would think that they were these well-meaning folks who went in to document and bring back the knowledge to the world. And and then as we go through and and dig up what they were doing, their standing and their moral high ground is is systematically deconstructed throughout the rest of the film. So there's that. And then on top of that, I really appreciate that they we are viewing the film and the footage, and we're being guided by the professor who's this narrator, who is still a well-meaning white man, so, you know, that's that's somewhat problematic still. But nonetheless, and we are really the folks who, I think our position as audience is probably most closely aligned with, or is also aligned with, the people who are deciding whether or not this should be presented. And so we're really walked, stepped through, where it's like, oh, well, this isn't so bad. I ought to keep, it's fine. You know, there's some problematic stuff, but, you know, it'll be really great. It'll be profitable. It'll be sensational. It'll be really interesting and compelling. And so that's us. And and so there, you know, if you're a person who's like, yeah, whatever, this isn't so bad. And you're in that position very much like the the film executives are. And you're still watching and then it's like, oh yeah, but then there's also this. And then there's also this. And so if you're that person who's watching and you're skeptical about, oh, this isn't so bad, you're really stepped through like to the point where hopefully you arrive with the executives at the end of the film of like, 
well, obviously, this is really horrible. And then I think the one real core flaw that I think, I'm curious to hear what you think would be, it seems to me that the sidestepping the argument is really when they're like, well, let's burn it. And I think the more interesting thing would be if at the end of the film, the professor was like, this is horrible, but what we need to do is I'm going to cut a film together that reveals how manipulative and how destructive this documentary team was. That's the only way I'll participate, but we're not going to make any money off of it. We're going to do it to educate the world that the rest of their films were complete, completely made up trash to demonize marginalized people. Then you would have really, that to me would have been a more elegant, that might still be sidestepping, but that to me would have been a more elegant because, because, well, then it's like, oh, well, you're doing that, except the filmmakers did actually release it and made money off it. <laughs> but it, you know, it to me, it, it's still hiding the fact that these filmmakers went in and did all these terrible atrocities in order to get famous, and you're denying them that fame. But I, I mean, I guess I would leave these other questions of now are you making them infamous? But anyway, that would be an, that's another thing. I don't, I don't know. That would raise another set of issues. But it's that was just a thought. I mean, yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. And I had some similar thoughts at the end when he says burn it. That like on the one hand, okay, cool. At least you're laying down your moral line in a way that fits with where it should be, I think. But also you're, you're sort of condemning, because this is meta about your own film, kind of. It's like you're condemning your own film, but then you're releasing it. And so that's hypocrisy sort of, or maybe it isn't quite. I, so yeah. So I'm inclined to, I, I want to I say maybe, that was actually a fairly well laid out argument and uh, in the in the structure of like i said grading the terms that i'm at right now like maybe i would i would consider bumping that up to a b minus based on the merits in what you just said but with one big big sort of caveat here that i think we need to dive into which is if if this film was completely filmed in a way that was totally ethical then okay okay i'll say let's go up to a b minus and and i'm willing to call it yeah <laughs> there's a little more a little more lift at the end of that meh. But now we need to talk about the animal situation and the the use of the actor. Because my I don't I don't know. Do you do you know for real before I just start making stuff up here about who the people were that were actually in the film, like how they were recruited and what sort of power dynamic was there between the filmmakers and the people in the film? Because at some point you get into a situation where it's exploitative by nature of the fact that you're offering a whole lot of money to people, you know, like if these are people, like you said, possibly um, wanting to be involved in the film industry, living in a city somewhere, kind of living their lives, doing okay. And then they were offered some money and they chose this route. That's a very different story from a very like impoverished community somewhere where these people came in and brought what looks like, you know, an ungodly amount of money and then got them to run around naked on film and, depict themselves as like natives in a way that is really problematic. There's just, there's a lot going on with consent there. Sure. It needs to be talked about. And then the animal depictions, which I I will say if this was the totally uncut version, I certainly appreciated that they basically killed things fairly expediently. If they did stuff that was 
more gratuitous or hard to watch. For the most part, it happened after the animal was dead, and that doesn't bother me so much. It would be the the torture, I guess, that would be problematic. And there were there there were small things that were problematic. That wasn't as in the context of like a society where we eat meat and kill animals for it. I think you have to weigh all that. Like it, like to get morally outraged at the depiction of something that you are essentially promoting or without looking at it, promoting by just whatever. I, I had this thought during the film that like yesterday I went to a little thing at the conference that I was at and they were serving food for whatever. And I ate turtle soup, little... turtle soup, <laughs> <laughs> turtle soup. But whatever. I had a little chicken sandwich, a little oh. chicken slider. And what I thought was I didn't check where that chicken, like, you know, it is very possible that that chicken was treated worse than any of the animals in this film. If it, came from just a regularly, you know, it wasn't some sort of like free range or sort of higher ethical standard sourced form of meat. I very well may have just complied with something that essentially is worse than what we saw. I mean, they kicked the pig and that was not like that hurt my heart. I wondered. And and then, like I said, you watch it and it's like horrible to watch. And I'm really, I'm like, I'm going to be thinking about that forever. Like, that's not okay. But I also want to check myself and say, hey, you ate that sandwich yesterday, Laura. Like, what did you, what are you just blinded to that's ha- that had to happen to produce that sandwich that the pig got kicked right before it got shot? I don't know what its life looked like before that. But compared to, like, what goes on in factory farming, a lot of things that are probably worse than the emotional weight that we put behind having to see that is really hard. But we're we're complicit with a system that is perpetuating acts that are at least that bad and a lot worse in a lot of ways. And so it, there's something, I guess, offensive about the the act of being offended by something. If you're not really shedding all the things in your life that are potentially worse than that, if that made sense. Oh, yeah. I think it makes sense. I was debating that, too, because the turtle, I think for sure this was the unrated to the best of my knowledge, it's the it's the correct running time. I think the version we watched before was not, because there were a couple bits that I re- don't remember from the first time we watched it. And some of the turtle bit was like, okay. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, okay, if you are going to kill a turtle on screen for your film... Would it be worse to lop off its head and then the rest of it you don't even... It's just like what you're saying. It is forcing us to view what... it's. It's We're watching the sausage being made when so often we don't have to. I always... And this is something that has been troubled me throughout life, watching films, watching anything that I... I and, and this is just my own personal feeling. I don't even know if I want to stand behind this on the air as like a moral line, but it's how I feel. That... If you kill something, you have to eat it. Like you have to use it and you can't, I can't tell you how troubled I've been my entire life by every Thanksgiving episode of every sitcom ever where they burn a turkey. And like, I can't handle it. Like I just cannot handle it because they, like, did you feed that to a dog? Did you do something with that afterwards? And I know in the grand scheme of things, I don't even know if I'm just making up weird lines because I suppose bacteria eat things and it decomposes. And I don't, like, I don't even know if I'm, if I'm saying anything reasonable, but like, what did you do? Like, like that's, you can't do that just for our like entertainment. Like we're going to laugh because you like that. You killed that turkey. 
Like, that's not okay, you know? And so, like, I appreciate that they ate it. I'm glad they slaughtered it because slaughtering something to eat it feels like a different moral line to me than just kill. If you cut off something's head and you just throw it in the woods, like, oh, that's worse. I mean, it's all hard. I don't know. I should be a vegetarian socialist. Like, every every time I We should go eat another whole fish again. (laughs) I'm all included. Last time Laura and I watched this film, we went out to eat afterwards, and we literally, there a special, on special that night was whole fish fried or whatever, so we ate a whole fish. It didn't register to me when we ordered that, how like thematically appropriate that would be for the film. We just so watched great. I just thought we were actually splitting a fish. It was like the special, I was like, oh, fish sounds good. And then it comes out with its head on and its eyeball there, it's like looking right at you, we're like, oh god. <laughs> Like, ah. Are you following the controversy over the geese in City Park? No. The geese in City Park are overrun, as you may well have, as much as you go to the museum, may well have noticed. Like, they wander out into these neighborhoods. So somebody finally proposed, like, we're going to kill a bunch of these geese and feed them to the homeless. And that plan was all ready to go until somebody protested. And argued that that is cruelty to geese, or I don't know, whatever. It's a, we can't do that. That just seems relevant. It's like, like, you know, whatever, they're fucking geese. I I mean, for me, it's like, you know, there's hungry people. Open season on the geese. I I think where I I sit personally is that I'm okay with eating things, but I'm not okay with torturing things. And so... I, I remember having an argument. This argument really sticks in my head once with a, a friend of mine who was a big hunter. And we disagree on everything, like politically speaking and just morally in life, basically. We completely <laughs> polarize. We were friends in high school, and then now we are completely polar opposites. Is this an Ohio person? Yeah. But we're still like sort of in touch because, I don't know, we like rode around in each other's stupid cars when we were 15 and did silly things and whatever. And so we're kind of like, we're still friends, but we hate each other, sort of. And he hunts because, of course, he does. And... I don't know if I was giving him a hard time about it or something one day. And he, I have to say, completely won the argument. And he was like, you know, Laura, you're so in favor of, you know, free range meat and being kind to animals. And like, it bothers you, like the factory farming industry seems so problematic. Well, he's like, I go out and get like a huge chunk of my food happens from these animals that are living a perfectly happy, normal, natural life. And then I go out and I shoot them in the head and I take them home and I eat them. So he's like, so what are you saying? Like, who's, who's wrong here? Oh, I think you just won. (laughs) Okay. It, which really did help me kind of solidify where I stand on this, which is that, I mean, and I'm just saying that personally, that I think I've I've come to terms with eating meat, but not torturing animals. And so if in this film, they were to really depict, if they ate the animals, and if they really didn't torture them, they just slaughtered them in a way that was pretty efficient. That feels to me like opening your eyes to a thing that many of us do. Either, I guess what I'm saying is maybe back to the point I was making before, that it, it actually feels more troublesome to be really offended by watching it if it's something that you're allowing to happen potentially if you're allowing also if you're like allowing it to happen or complicit in the system where what you're allowing when you think about something like factory farming is really much worse i don't know that they were making that argument at all (laughs) this is a place we're on the checklist i guess i would say gratuitous way on the side of gratuitous because there was no argument that it was supporting we can say these things but the, these things were not embedded in the film i don't feel like you left morally on the side of feeling that way 
I'm glad you said that because that you not leaving feeling that these were the messages you took away is a much more compelling argument to me than you saying people <laughs> leave the film and don't have this takeaway because I value your reaction and your your sensitivity and appreciation much more than whomever some massive folks who I mean there's some really interesting things here that that really trouble this. Uh, here's one. This is from IMDb's trivia page, for whatever that's worth. Diodato intended for the natives to eat fake brains from a fake monkey head. The natives talked him out of it because monkey brains were a delicacy to them. If that's true, that's better. The animal deaths in the movie were real. There's the list of Cotamundi, river turtle, snake, tarantula, young pig, two squirrel monkeys, because the Monkey killing scene was shot twice. The dead animals were given to the tribes for food. If that's really true, I like that a lot better. And then you do have, and that's worth mentioning. So there's been a long, infamous, sordid history of doing research on human subjects, any anything that involves people, and those standards for what constitutes consent and what constitutes full knowing, aware, free consent to withdraw participation and to understand the benefits of the research has evolved considerably even since 1980, even though that seems very recent. And it is important in in sociology as well as the other humanities, social sciences have, at least within academia, have made considerable changes. And as Laura said, even if a film crew were to go to some impoverished part of the world, I don't even know if this was necessarily impoverished, but we'll assume it was and say, we're going to pay you and give you the same working conditions that we would union actors in LA. There's still a question of, is that an undue or is that a, what do they call it? It's a, it's a reward that's out of scale with what would allow people to make a reasonable decision and so there are real questions about the ethics of it. Although I will say that that there are, if they did do those things, or if they did pay them reasonably and treat them reasonably, there's an argument that that it would be better to go and pay folks who don't have those op- opportunities and those options versus a bunch of folks who already have privilege and like a relatively high standard of living. I don't want to present that as the like Walmart argument, which is, well, they were getting paid nothing before, so now we can pay them a penny, and it's a good thing. I'm saying that there is a line, I think, at which you can do that, and that's actually the more beneficial thing, is to provide experience and and whatever for folks who, who would really not have those other opportunities. So, there, I mean, these are a lot of really important questions and, and how movies get made and who's involved those issues are, are important to consider and like you said particularly in this case or i think with the same weights of when it's a real issue and and particularly if it's an issue or a topic that affects a particular group or an aff- a, a particular demographic i mean i've re- complained about this before of you know films that talk about violence against women but everybody in the executive high level creation of the film is a is a man a straight man hetero man that there's still problematic that's still problematic 
because you want there to be some, you, you want the folks for whom this issue is being, or who this issue is impacting most to have a voice and a benefit at the table in the creation of the production. But all, all those things are important to, to bring up. And I, and it, it is particularly interesting here. The thing about the animals and like giving it to the people and like actually eating it, that seems like you said, that feels better. And so who knows how far that extended or if that extended to the, to the folks who were hired to portray natives or whoever else. I, I want to touch on that real quickly because I think that maybe ties back to one of these dimensions that we laid out before, which is how weighty, maybe I should say it this way. If you go somewhere and you offer someone money to act in your film, that's, I guess that's one thing. If you offer them money to put themselves naked on film, that feels different. (laughs) It also feels different if you're offering them money to depict violence, particularly violence that, like I said, along that dimension we had before, like how real is what you're showing. If you offer them money to be in a Final Destination film where they're going to get cut up by a garage door, I think that's less weighty in terms of your moral responsibility than offering them sure. money to depict, say, genocide in a way that is very real and problematic, particularly if you're in a community that is marginalized in some way and has had those types of violence enacted on them. I think it gets even more strong than where that, that bar lies. And so, I don't know. I mean, what you were saying about like the not wanting it to be the Walmart argument of you know, hey, they were getting nothing before, so at least... Look, if we, what if we show up and we give them what you would give someone here? There's still this real sticky moral question of... <clears throat> because it's a big ask. Like, you're asking for something very personal from them, and you're also asking them to depict something very ideologically weighty and emotionally weighty, and then, like, lock themselves into that depiction. That That's such an ask of somebody that I think somebody here, if you're, if you're in an okay financial position, you feel like you can potentially, you could walk away from that opportunity if you thought it was going to impact you in a bad way, psychologically or emotionally or whatever. And if you go someplace that is really impoverished, it's like you, they may not feel like they have the choice or ability to walk away from that. And so I don't think it's just a matter of paying them well enough, but it's a matter of with this type of ask, with an ask of nudity, which may or may not be perceived as sexual by whoever takes it in. So, I mean, it's it's just giving up that the ability to keep that to yourself, I guess, to have some sort of control over who gets to interact like that with you. And then also, like I said, ideologically putting yourself in this position where you're depicting something incredibly weighty to you or at least to the community that you live in. I don't know. that this, It's a really high bar. Or if you're a reality TV show, you could put up an inconspicuous sign somewhere in a semi-public space and record people doing literally anything that they do in all sorts of states of intoxication and <laughs> and altered consciousness and uh, have rights to use that in any possible media and in any way in perpetuity simply by putting up a little sign. Doesn't the sign need to be like, see, no, it doesn't even need to be. I would feel like legally there would be a line there where it had, to, where people had to, people where it wasn't just that you had to put out some information, but rather people had to be informed. I, w- I would feel like I would like what, there to what be a distinction there. I mean, I, I've, I've taken pictures of numbers of those, particularly in Vegas, where because they film 
reality TV at a lot of the like clubs and just by entering it, I mean, it's a sign that's like off to the side and it just says by entering this space, you've consented to whatever. Wow. That's it. Doesn't matter if you're wasted going into the club already. Like it's the, the divide between academia and entertainment is as much better as academia has gotten. Entertainment has gotten at least comparably worse. I have issue with uh, what group did I go to see? I went to see a concert up here at the Ogden. I'd already bought a ticket. N- no information. Um, and when we got to the door, there was a printed off eight and a half by 11 sign that said exactly that. We're filming a music video here tonight by entering this space. You've given up. And I mean, it literally says like rights throughout the universe. I took a picture. It's like absurd. Like it would be a parody, except it was real. And it was some group I actually really like. And I was like, oh, how shitty of you. So I'll be sure and figure out their names so I can name them specifically. I mean, if they're going to do it, they should be responsible for it. I just wanted to throw that out there because, yes, you're right. And and I appreciate all that. And it's I think it's worth emphasizing that there are huge divides between what is considered ethical and responsible. And it, it always seems so bizarre that for knowledge, it's such a high bar. And I'm not taking issue with that. But in comparison for entertainment, it's the bar is like at the floor and it's like well at least for knowledge you're like doing it for a reason <laughs> it seems like the entertainment should actually be higher bar because what are you getting out of it really nothing but some entertainment and the people who are going to make some money off you we're not advancing knowledge of any kind anyway i i that was sort of a rant i wanted to shoehorn in there i'll show i i, I have those, some of those photos i'll dig them up be something i could post to the instagram yeah definitely okay. so that's all wrong too Right, <laughs> but do we know in this film like what happened in terms if there was coercion or not coercion or how that happened with the filming of it? Because I don't know why that that in my memory that's like an element of this film was that there may have been some sort of coercive thing going on, but I I don't know what I'm drawing that from. I haven't done that research. Uh, it was filmed in Colombia and Venezuela. I don't see anything. Uh, we would have to do to okay. do the research, and I, I don't know that history. Okay, yeah, I don't either. So maybe I would just like to throw that out as a caveat then that there could be something extra problematic there that I want to dock them some more points for mm-hmm. if that's the case, but right. we don't know if it is. So Right. Or it could be not so bad. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think this is great. I, re- I really like our little rubric. We should probably like actually write that up or... Something so that we remember it. We we have a lot of things to write up, Laura. Most interesting questions in the world are bad stuff. We talked through it, but we never. We I don't think we've ever actually written it up. And we should have a little whiteboard. Oh, whiteboard. <laughs> we should use that whiteboard. <laughs> we <laughs> we can right use the whiteboard. Us. That's yes, literally. <laughs> and we can write on it. Don't write on your whiteboard. Really obvious things. <laughs> 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 that could be the first thing we write on the whiteboard. <laughs> oh, that's so fantastic. <laughs> Is that everything? I think so. So I'm Marshall. And I'm Laura. And this is the Collective Nightmares podcast. You can find our entire backlog of episodes at collectivenightmares.com. Thank you for listening. Check our Instagram for announcements of upcoming and future episodes. 
Horror films are our collective nightmares. got very intellectual, very abstract, very quickly. It did. I feel like it had to, though. Yeah. Be even more inaccessible to the casual <laughs> listener. <laughs> it's probably why I'm in the mood to do something, like, just silly. It sounds kind of... I feel like we've been thinking really hard. I didn't know that we were signing up to think super hard with the perfectionist. Well, right, yeah. But then we did. And, uh, and Midsummer was just a bit of a... Probably the reason I wasn't sure I wanted to go see Midsummer was because I thought it would be kind of like boring in the way that it kind of was. But although I liked it better than you did, yeah. um, and then this too, like it just it feels like a lot of heavy lately. I agree. I agree. Yeah, uh, Summer watched Perfection and listened to it, and she really enjoyed it. So oh, it was good. That's yeah. nice. And uh, enjoyed the film or our discussion or both. 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 Nice. Well, she grew up in a community where there was a lot of pressure to perform creatively she grew up in an artist community so like everybody expects you to do something creative and do it really well which is part of the reason i suggested it to her it's like i think if anybody could understand this you could she also i think at some point if if you're open uh she's working on her play and she i think has a much more similar approach to um creating something like you do she seems to have ideas of characters and then throw them into situations and want to explore and see what happens versus my you know everybody is symbolic of a particular argument right i don't really care who they are like i only want to flesh them out as they demonstrate whatever um so i don't know if that's something of interest to you but at some point maybe that would be you all might find something interesting to talk about there. I would love that. That sounds great. Yeah, I thought I, I enjoyed talking to her even just briefly that night when we met. We kind of dove into some creative conversations. Oh, cool. And she was really fun to talk to about that because I did feel like we had a similar, I don't know, similar outlook or something similar that we would be trying to get out of that experience. Yeah. I enjoyed the little bit of conversation we had. So that'd nice. be fun. Much more than me. I was like, what is your argument? She was like... <laughs> She's like, that's not what I'm trying to do here. And I was like, oh, it's good that I have spoken with Laura, so I have some idea. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, good. Hello? Hello? I didn't hear a lot of sound check. I said hello in each mic. It looked fine. <laughs> um, they... <laughs> <laughs>
appeared to be roughly equal, which seems did you reasonable. I did. Right. Scroll back. Yes, yeah. Hello. Over there, eh? Hello. And then I thought, that looks, that looks good. That's plenty. Good. That's enough. They're both working. Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, Do you want to put the felt down or do you think we're good? Yeah. We'll just not touch the table. All right, let's go. <laughs> so we're right back to where we started. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I think this is great. It's really great how our conversations and the films have integrated so well. And... I think we should start in the early parts of our with spoilers, but we should maybe also say like relevant episodes you may want to listen to, like Human Centipede Two. You might want to listen to before you watch or before you listen to this one. I spit on your grave. Those are probably the two only real essential. But you know what yeah, I mean, like or that. The, also, potentially the remake of I Spit on Your Grave mm. or Deja Vu. Did we ever wait? There was the remake in Deja Vu, two thousand nine, I... right? And then there's Deja Vu. Did we ever post the 2009 episode? Uh, it's 2010, just oh, okay. whatever, just for accuracy. And we posted it when we were going to do a Patreon thing. Did we ever post it just... We didn't. Up- and, oh, we should do that. And we should. And actually what I was working on just before is I want to post a, a thing that will say you should revisit the original. And then we're releasing a double episode of the 2010 remake and Deja Vu. Oh, I like that. So that's great. And, and also, I, I I don't know exactly how to do that because I want to also say something about like here's three rape revenge films in a row. You might want to give yourself some time to process between. Like, I don't think you want to set that up for a triple header on a Sunday afternoon. And well, and uh, we didn't do that. I mean, oh, we recorded no. these over. Right. A long stretch of time. So yeah, I want to like revisit and watch or listen to these two, but that seems like a big ask for folks too. So I don't know exactly how to do that, but I'm getting it ready. You know what I'm in the mood for now? I'm realizing after like we did slashers and I got super sick of slashers. We diverted from horror for a bit there. I got sick of that. We did our rape revenge sort of series and that got hard to do. I feel, and now I'm happy that we dove back into horror and we dove back into some like thinky horrors, which has been really fun. I think I'm, I'm back in the mood for like a little more mindless horror. The creature film that you suggested actually is feeling kind of right, right about now. Oh, I'm all for it. Well, we didn't intend the perfection to be a rape revenge film. No. We had no idea. No. It was heavier than I expected. I mean, it was good. Yeah. It was. It was it was intense, but it, yeah. it was still a rape revenge film. Yeah. We've done some very weighty stuff again recently, but I'm happy to be back in horror. And I actually am happy to be back in horror that has some real ideological weight and that we can make these like sort of more serious arguments. But now I think I want to stick in horror and let's go light. Like I'm almost tempted to go back slasher, except that that got so old so fast. <laughs> yeah. Like one and a half slasher films in and I feel like I was over it. <laughs> but we haven't ever, like you said, we haven't ever done a creature film. No, because there's dumb. <laughs> but let's do one, maybe. We can still do one, right? Yeah. Uh, and then... No. And it, I, as I think his was be would be as good as anything we yeah. could watch right now. We're talking about Alexander Asia's Crawl. There's uh, well, we'd, coming up possible options are Jennifer Kent, who did Babadook, her follow up film, 
or something else. We could go see the Ready or Not. What's that? Which we've already seen because we watched the trailer. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. You did. Oh. I played on my phone the whole time. So well, I actually. We could go see it. That seemed yeah. mindless and useless. <laughs> that, feels, that feels about right. I don't know. I may be almost in the mood for like a Greta type conversation, you know, where we don't have any like real serious like moral questions to tell. We always find them, but right. fewer. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm open to that. I do appreciate you waiting till the day because I felt ready to have this discussion today. And whenever we tried to do it before, I just didn't. I, I for whatever reason I was spent in ways that wouldn't have let me handle this the same way. So I appreciate it. I can hear the toilet running. Is there something other than time to make that stop? I don't know. I, I think I don't jiggle the handle. Shoot. So close. I don't even know if that matters. It's like uh, watching Deja Vu all over again. Have our Greta gum, Marshall. Did you know you still had our Greta gum? Oh yeah, I saved it. That's funny. Because I saved everything. <laughs> I tend to stick around. <laughs> I like that particular artifact from that film because it really represents for me how popularity is not at all equivalent to actual goodness of the film. It amazes me in the context of how terrible that movie was that they got their own little marketed gum to pass out at the theater. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh.